Hey, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pukulski. As always, framing this podcast around living your greatest life, our greatest life, in a body that we absolutely love, that carries us around this world, and hopefully what looks like an adventure. I hope you guys have an amazing day. And today we're going to interview Dr. Harry Adelson. We're going to talk a little bit about stem cells and the benefits and detriments of stem cells. Dr. Adelson has a practice called the Dorsier Clinic in Salt Lake City, Utah. He's an absolute whiz when it comes to this stuff. He explains it extremely well. For someone who doesn't know what stem cells are, I suggest you listen. It's a very, very simple explanation, yet he does an incredible job of making it very clear what stem cells are and what they aren't. He's not really biased, which I love. He gives us the truth, the lowdown on stem cells and whether they are for you or whether they're not for you. If you've ever suffered from an injury or know someone who has or someone who runs into some type of chronic disease, stem cells have become a go-to for some of the top experts in the world, the longevity experts, people looking to optimize health and recover from injuries, especially at the highest level like professional sports. Dr. Adelson is incredible. It'll be bright. He does a great job, and I'm so grateful for him joining me here today. We sat down at the Health Optimization Summit in London just before his talk, and his talk went over extremely well. He does a really good job at this, and I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. If you do enjoy the podcast, listen straight to the end and share it with one person you know that will know and love this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by fresh pressed olive oil. You guys know my infatuation with olive oil. And to be honest, I was never really an olive oil guy. I've tried store-bought olive oil and I was like, eh, this is okay. Didn't really like the flavor of it. As soon as I, for the first time, tried fresh plus olive oil, I didn't realize what I had been missing. So why do I love olive oil so much? Olive oil is a monounsaturated fat, and we need more monounsaturated fats in our diet. Our standard American diet is typically very, very high in omega-9 polyunsaturated fats. We want to go after more monounsaturated fats, and that's why I think I have about 50% of my calories on a day-to-day basis coming from this exact source of olive oil, the fresh press olive oil. So it's unbelievable for flavor. It's unbelievable for health benefits. It's loaded with antioxidants and a whole bunch of other great things that, to be honest, as human beings, we need. It's certainly one of the staples of my diet. And if you guys want to pick up a bottle for just a dollar, Fresh Press Olive Oil is going to hook you guys up. If you head over to getfresh35getfresh35.com, we are going to get hooked up with a dollar bottle of olive oil. This is a $40 bottle. So it's fantastic stuff. And I highly suggest you guys do it. And I know you're going to love it. And if you do, send them a review and tell them how much you love it because it's really that good. And this company deserves to have the notoriety it deserves. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. And also don't forget to grab your $1 bottle of olive oil, getfresh35.com. Cheers, guys. Enjoy the show. Tell me about how you got started in the stem cells and you're one of these early adopter people mm-hmm. and where did it come about for you? Because like, you know, people have known about stem cells for quite a while, but mm-hmm. the idea of isolating them and injecting them to optimize, you know, whether it be recovery or longevity or whatever, how did mm-hmm. that come about for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I was in naturopathic school in the mid nineties. And, you know, in naturopathic school, they teach you using the body's natural ability to heal itself. And I was, at that time, I was just a completely fanatical rock climber. My whole life revolved around rock climbing. And I was training for my dream trip to France. I was going to France to climb all the, you know, difficult sport areas. And I was, I had this hit list of all the climbs I was going to do. And I was really motivated. I was working out in the gym constantly. And I was doing this hard cross through move. And I felt this pop in my shoulder. And it was very painful and my shoulder swelled and saw a surgeon and he said, well, you know, you've torn the cartilage in your shoulder. And I said, well, so what are my options? He said, well, you can, you know, we can do a steroid injection, which will probably help in the short term, but it's, it's actually going to make it worse in the long term. Or I can put a scope in there, cut out the cartilage, and that will probably get you back on track for your trip, but it's going to cause you problems later in life. 
you know, you're going to have arthritis later in life. And it just didn't make any sense to me. You know, here I was, I was 25 years old at the time. I was in great health. I was in naturopathic school where I was learning the healing power of nature. And I just knew there had to be a way to kickstart my body to fully heal. You know, we didn't have the term biohacking back then. I'm not sure we had the term hacking back then. But, you know, I just knew there had to be something that could be done naturally. So, I started asking around and this was back in the 90s when research meant you actually had to talk to people and somebody told me about- the library. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, really. Those things will soon be obsolete. Uh, So, I found out about Rick Marinelli who was a naturopath who was doing something called prolotherapy which is the injection of natural substances to essentially trick the body into thinking that you've sustained a new injury thereby launching the body's natural healing cascade. So, I had it done and it worked so well that my life path unfolded before me. My trip to France was splendid. Rick became my mentor. The naturopathic prolotherapist became my peer group and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And that over the years, I did prolotherapy for years and got pretty good results. I was very happy with it. I had this very small, simple practice in Salt Lake. When I finished residency, I moved to Salt Lake. Then platelet-rich plasma came along. Platelet-rich plasma is the concentration of the platelets in your blood. So, you right. take you take normal peripheral blood, just like a regular blood draw, concentrate it down, take out the red blood cells because there's not really a lot of therapeutic value in this context. We get the platelets. Platelets are what are responsible for healing after injury. They recognize, you know, when they're outside of blood vessels, they release these growth factors that signal that microenvironment to go into hyper-healing mode. And this works better than prolotherapy. Prolotherapy, we were injecting dextrose. So, I did that for four years and I found that I was able to get the job done in half as many treatments. Then I had a patient come to me. She's a woman who's an engineer for NASA, just super like ridiculous IQ off the charts researcher. And she said, Harry, look, I was able, she had this knee problem and we were able to get her to a certain point. And she'd been a patient of mine for years. We treat, first we treated her with Prolo, then we treated her with PRP. And we just never quite got her to the point she wanted to be. And she put this stack of papers on my desk and she said, and it was animal studies back in 2010. That's all there were. She said, I want you to put stem cells from my bone marrow into my knee. And I said, Laura, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And she said, so, learn. <laughs> That's the best attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah, figure and, it out. And, you know, I couldn't argue with her. So, I went and learned how to do it and I started doing it with people and I was so blown away, Ben, by how well it worked that I just knew this was it. I knew this was this was going to be my career for the rest of my life. And that was 10 years, almost 10 years ago. How did you isolate that early? Like, was there already some design process to withdraw the bone marrow and isolate the stem cell? Well, it's, it's identical to PRP. So, PRP, you take the blood out and then you put it in a simple centrifuge, right? Yep. And then, so when you, hopefully everybody has the concept of a centrifuge. So, imagine, Stay. yeah, you have like a test tube that comes out the items that are heavier go to the bottom. So, in this case, that's red blood cells because red blood cells contain iron. So, they're the heaviest constituents. So, they all go to the bottom. The serum, which is does not contain cells, goes to the top. And then, in the middle, you have what's called the buffy layer. The buffy layer contains the white blood cells, but it also contains the platelets. So, then we just, you know, there's different ways to do it. You can pipette off the buffy layer. There are these commercially available kits that you can get. But then, with bone marrow, it's the same exact concept except in that buffy layer, in addition to the white blood cells and the platelets, you also have mesenchymal stem cells. And mesenchymal stem cells are the most important. There's many different types of stem cell, but when we're talking about stem cell therapy, that's especially for musculoskeletal pain, that's really the most important of the stem cells. Mesenchymal stem cells have two sort of superhuman abilities. One, they have the ability to turn into other tissue types when prompted. But then the other superhuman power, which is actually more important in this conversation, is their ability to launch what's called the paracrine effect. And the paracrine effect is intercellular communication. So, mesenchymal stem cells are able to recognize when they're in the presence of damaged cells or damaged connective tissue. And in response, they release these growth factors that launch the healing cascade. They destroy invading microbes, they launch the division of cells in that area and they, you know, repair connective tissue. So, it's the MSC, mesenchymal stem cell can also be thought of medicinal signaling cell. The guy who named 
mesenchymal stem cell, a guy named Arnold Kaplan, has since come back and said, I shouldn't have named it mesenchymal stem cell. I should have named it medicinal signaling cell. So interesting. So assume the audience doesn't know what a stem cell is. Mm -hmm. Just give us the background. Like, Where do these things come from? Obviously, we know mm -hmm. they're in the bone marrow. Where else are they in the body? And what are they actually designed to do in the body? I mean, mm -hmm. Just give us a bit of a sure, overview, sure. but That's assume fine. people don't know what they're doing. Sure. So our body is comprised of cells, right? We break it down to its building blocks, which are cells. And there's many different types of cells. There's muscle cells, there's lung cells, there's heart cells, there's blood cells. There's all these different types of cells. And one of the cell types are called stem cells. Now, stem cells, as I said, have this ability to either turn into other tissue types or signal the repair of tissue. Their job is to maintain the health of their microenvironment. That's all they do. When we, you know, most people have heard of the concept that we regenerate our bodies over time, that our lungs regenerate, every organ in our body regenerates. Well, the cells that are responsible for regenerating our organs, whatever they are, are stem cells. These are the regeneration cells. This is how we keep from just, you know, dying in a couple of days. This is how our body regenerates ourself. How does that interplay with transcription of DNA? Like I'm trying to, so obviously DNA, probably there's probably a transcription process for stem cells, mm -hmm. but we know that the stem cells are contributing in the, this paracrine way to maintain the integrity of a cell, the health of a cell. Now, if a cell is constantly transcribing, like where's the interplay? You know what I'm getting at between like the transcription of new cells and the maintenance of, you know, where does the stem cells play into that process? Does that make sense? Sure. So, just to finish the first thought and then I'll answer that question. So, what stem cell therapy is, is essentially you have, you know, say you've had damage to, let's say it's an intervertebral disc. So, say, you know, your L4, L5 disc has been damaged and we want to trigger the growth, you know, trigger the regeneration of that L4, L5. So, we take stem cells from an area of your body where you still have a robust population. That can be your bone marrow, that can be your fat, it can be both. We might use, and we'll talk more about this, but we might use other things such as exosomes or, and I know Ben Greenfield is super, he got, I want to talk about that. Yeah, he got super excited about the exosomes and items like Wharton's jelly and we're going to talk about all that stuff. But we take it from, you know, essentially from your own body, from fat and bone marrow, where you still have a robust population, and then put them in the place where you now have a paucity, where you have where you are lacking in stem cells. We inject it and thereby launch the body's healing cascade. Right. So as far as you know, we used to think back in the old days of like 2010, we used to think the main mechanism of action of moving these stem cells around was this differentiation, was the stem cell's ability to turn into a target tissue. Well, we've since found out that that's actually not really the case, that really the mechanism of action of stem cell therapy is much more that paracrine effect. It's much more we take it out of the area where you know, such as your bone marrow, then we put it in this new place. And it's not even so much that these stem cells turn into cartilage, it's that they signal the proliferation of the cartilage that's still in that area. So, if cartilage in that area, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. is constantly being transcribed with DNA, mm -hmm. like we're turning over cells, you know, every mm -hmm. second. I'm just trying to figure out where that ties in, right? So, it's signaling a cell. What if these cells are dead or damaged or injured? Is it having an epigenetic effect? Is it having an effect on the, on the DNA signaling, DNA transcription? Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? I'm, try, I'm trying to understand. I'm like if a cell is, so we have, we have an injury, mm -hmm. those cells are ultimately dead. And the only way to ultimately recover from that is to have this, the body mm -hmm. produce new healthy cells. Mm -hmm. So, I'm trying to figure, I, I, I guess maybe a question that we don't understand well, or we no, don't know. I, yeah. I don't think we do. Yeah. I think we know the rough idea, but we really don't understand the exact mechanism. Yeah, maybe there's some epigenetic mm -hmm. things happening there where it's like, you know, maybe negating the negative mm -hmm. impact of whatever injury you just had. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so interesting. The future is is bright, but I also want to talk about the future mm -hmm. of this stuff because it seems like there's some people trying to put a damper on the, on the future, but mm -hmm. you, you brought up exosomes. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's probably a very long conversation, but I'd like to explain what that is. Mm -hmm, sure. So, first of all, there's stem cell, there's what we call autologous stem cells. The word autologous means donor and recipient are the same person. So, that means stem cells from your own body. Mm -hmm. We can use bone marrow. That's sort of the tried and true workhorse of stem cell therapy. And then there's also the use of fat, which has been around for a lot less time. And unfortunately, it appears to be in the United States on its way out. But bone marrow is still okay? Bone marrow is still okay, yeah. So, in 2017, the FDA issued a statement that the use of stem cells from fat 
is in fact a drug and a non-FDA approved drug. And they, From your own body. Right. And in this statement, they said the industry has until November of 2020 to discontinue the use of fat stem cells. So, they sort of put a date on there. So, I am intending to comply. I don't agree with it, but you know, those guys make the rules. Sure. I don't and you know, I have to comply. So, I've, I've got another year of doing fat-derived stem cells. Bone marrow, because it has such a long history of use with cancer therapies, using it for musculoskeletal purposes is really just considered an off-label use. So, for the time being, that's safe. So, those are the autologous stem cells. Then there's what we call allogenic. And the word allogenic means donor and recipient are different. So, we're getting it from someone else. And these are usually birth product tissues. So, sure. whether it's placenta, whether it's umbilical cord, whether it's amniotic fluid, amniotic membrane. Exosomes are fascinating and their use has really exploded. I've been using them a little over two years in addition to bone marrow and fat stem cells. And I found the two a real winning combination. So, let's talk about exosomes. So, if we go back to cellular biology and you remember the diagram of a cell and the perimeter is the membrane, right? So that's the skin of the cell. It's that bilipid layer. And then everything that is contained in the cell is within the membrane. And in the largest structures, the nucleus, that contains all the genetic material. Then there's the endoplasmic reticulum and the Golgi apparatus and the mitochondria, Dave Asprey's favorite. And then you have these little vesicles that are called endosomes. And within the endosomes are called exosomes. Now, when I was in school back in the late 90s, we thought those were the waste products. We thought that was cellular poop. Like we thought that was the excretions that was just waste. Well, we were wrong because actually the endosomes which contain these exosomes, the endosomes when they want to release the exosomes, they migrate towards the cellular membrane, they attach on, they become continuous. So, then now this like they, they're able to release the exosomes into the interstitial space, the, you know, the space between the cells, those exosomes are the communicating factors. Those are the proteins. Those are the RNA. Those are the items that when the cell needs to communicate with the surrounding cells, that's the method by which it does it. So, that actually is the active ingredient of mesenchymal stem cells. When we talk about the mesenchymal stem cells having this paracrine effect, their mode of communication is these exosomes. Now, what makes my stem cells, 51-year-old stem cells, is as we age, our own stem cells lose the ability to manufacture and subsequently excrete these exosomes. So, what a lot of people are doing now is we take these exosomes that are manufactured in a lab. So, personally, I use Chimera Labs. There's number of labs that are doing this, but they take Chimera uses placental stem cells. So, these are very young, robust stem cells. They culture expand them. So, now you have hundreds of millions of them. Then they put them in a stressful culture medium. So, they basically stress out the stem cells. They make the stem cells think their host is under duress. So, they manufacture and excrete these stem cells. Then they separate the exosomes from the stem cells. So, you're actually like putting the other person's genetic material or DNA to one side and you're just harvesting the exosomes. So, now you're just getting the active ingredient whose membrane is identical to you know, yours and mine and anyone else's. Right. So, it almost feels like cell. extracting a hormone and then not a hormone, but um, you know, similar right. idea. Yeah. And so, there's no rejection here because there's nothing to interact yeah, no with. There's no DNA. There's really, and there's no, there's no antigens. There's really nothing to react to. And then, of course, they screen these patients for you know the donor of the, of sure. the placenta. They screen them for every imaginable communicable disease. So, now we have these exosomes. I use them along with a person's own bone marrow stem cells. So, what we think is happening is because the membranes are identical and there's, there's no genetic material, we think your own stem cells actually can absorb them into themselves, thereby functionally making your own stem cell that of a younger person. Have we identified the substances that the exosomes are excreting? Like, is it are particular you know, with this paracrine response? Have we identified what those are? Yeah, there's. I mean, we've identified a lot of them. Yeah. There's 
ones in there that I'm sure we haven't yet. But. So the one, well, the question I'm going after is like ratios, right? Like if, if your body's going to recover a liver versus recover a bicep, it would likely re- release different right. ratios of these substances, right? Right. So that's the next big step. Right now, Chimera, for instance, just has one exosome product, but they're getting ready to release multiple exosome products that are going to be condition specific. And these are still going to be legal so far oh, that yeah. we know of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean they're they're working closely. Chimera is working closely with the FDA to to make ensure, sure ensure compliance and make sure they're doing it the right way. Very, very cool. So when I hear bone marrow being extracted from the body, I get a little rigid. Yeah. Like a little, you know, frightened. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. How's that work? It's a lot scarier than it is actually painful or dangerous. However, I will say that I do sedate everybody. For years I gave people the option. And when I say sedated, that means with an anesthesiologist putting you to sleep, but not general anesthesia. So, if anybody's had a colon, it's the same medications you use for like colonoscopies or certain dental like procedures. or something like a laughing gas? No, no. It's, it's IV medications, okay. but you're not intubated and it's not the heavy... Actually, general anesthesia starts with gas and then it, then it switches to drugs. And general anesthesia is the medications that are very hard on the liver, hard on the brain. General IV sedation are very gentle medications that clear the system very quickly, but you're very much asleep and you don't remember anything. So, for years, I gave people the option of using sedation and it was an additional charge. And what I realized was happening was that the people who would just decline, usually it was something about, oh, no, I'll save the money. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not a wimp. You know, it was these sort of, they sure. have these reasons. And then I would do my follow-up with them three months later, one year later. And I'd get them on the phone and when they'd realize it was me, they'd get kind of tense. <laughs> Their experience was worse. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then I'd sort of start asking them questions and I'd realize that actually they were quite a bit better, but they wouldn't admit it. No, I don't think it worked. And I started to realize that these people were just pissed they off just had at a me. bad experience. Yeah. They had a terrible experience because it it's torture. I mean, right. to, have, to have a bone marrow aspiration and a lipo aspiration, and then I'm injecting their discs and I'm doing all these painful injections. So, I said, yeah, I'm going to try for a year. So, what I did is I just modified, I changed my prices right. so that More sedation's today. included. So, I said, okay, you don't have to be sedated, but it's included in the price. And Everybody chooses yes. Every, and they're relieved to have that decision taken away from them right. because it's one fewer decision and you know they don't have to feel like they're being a wimp. And then they have this great experience. They wake up a little stoned, all the painful stuff's over. And yeah, that problem completely went away. So, ever since then, I said, you know, this is just a better way to go. Absolutely. I don't disagree. So, you're saying you sedate everybody. Uh-huh. I also heard that you're doing full body stem cells. Right. What is that? And is it not systemic? Like, is it something that's very, very localized or is there a systemic response or, or yeah, tell me about right. that. Right. So, full body stem cell makeover. So, I'm interested in that, by the way. Like, yeah, I got to get hooked up with that. It sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, it sounds like, let's turn back the clock 10 years, right? Yeah. Well, it developed over a lot of years. Yeah. And what happened was my practice, you know, before I met Dave Asprey and, you know, before, after, you know, I sort of jokingly say I worked my fingers to the bone for 20 years, met Dave, and then like overnight became a success. But yeah, man, he's, he's, he's doing well. He's, he's kind of like everything he touches is going to gold mm-hmm. right now, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so over the years, I sort of developed the reputation of the guy who would do big treatments. And the reason for that is because I would get so many farmers, ranchers, and oil fill workers in. I got a lot of Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Western Canadian grain farmers and dairy farmers. I'd get these like very hardworking people who had exceeded the terms of their warranties. You know, the problem sure. with, you know, when you get people at elite level athletes, the reason they're elite level is because they put just as much focus into rest as they do into work. Yep. And what these guys, when you get these ranchers and these farmers and these oil fill workers, there are no rest days. I mean, the oil fill workers at least get right. some days off, but the ranchers and the farmers don't have days right. off. It's the difference between digging a hole with your body and digging a trench, right? These guys are just digging that big trench and they never get a chance to kind of fill the hole back in, right? Yeah. Monday through Sunday, yep. not Monday through Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Monday 10, through Sunday. 20 years at a time. Right. Yeah. All right. So, they their bodies 
disintegrate and degenerate. Yeah. So they have arthritis literally through their entire bodies and their real get or done type mentality. So I would get these people in and they literally would have arthritis along their entire spine, both shoulders, both hips, both knees. And then if they had an injury, then their ankles and their elbows. And mo you know, most of them have these goofy elbows. You say, go ahead, straight. you're going to do a blood draw, straighten your arm. And it's like right. 45 degrees. That's as straight as it goes. Right. right? Calcification of the tissues. Right. Yeah. So I started doing these big treatments and I would just sort of jokingly refer to them as full body stem cell makeovers. Well, then Dave became a patient. I started getting these biohackers in and- <laughs> Give me the full body deal, man. Yeah. They would yeah. say, well, can't you just inject my entire body in a single sitting? Because you're, if you're putting me to sleep, if the anesthesiologist is putting me to sleep, can't you just do everything? And I thought, yeah, actually I can. And I sort of looked back at my origin, what got me into alternative medicine to begin with was I had rolfing done. I had this knee problem when I was very young and I was told by a surgeon I would need, you know, this big surgery at like 19 years old and I had rolfing done and it totally cured the problem. And rolfing is this very systemic approach to the body where yep. you look at the entire body and you go through and massage with very deep tissue massage yeah, the entire body. Let's not call it massage, man. That's not massage. Yeah. <laughs> it's for the people Rol who don't know what it yeah, is. Rolfing is, is the most painful mm -hmm. approach. I mean, maybe short of Graston, which is like now rolfing mm -hmm. with, with an implement. Yeah. With but a torture implement. Probably yeah. the, the mechanism there is maybe generating stem cells, right? Is that where you're going with that? Because like they're creating so much tissue damage, so much tissue trauma, it has to be eliciting yeah, a systemic they're response. They're breaking up all the adhesions in the fascial planes, thereby allowing the fascial planes to smoothly glide. In theory. Right. But it was more about this sort of like whole body approach, like stand back, look at the body and, you know, treat all of it. Right. And I thought, you know, why not? So, we did our first whole body stem cell makeover about two years ago. And I did it really with Dave in mind because I was like, what's going to be the next big thing for biohacking for longevity. And I thought, well, you know, how about this? So, what we do is we take a large volume of bone marrow. Currently, we're still using fat stem cells, although we're in the process of phasing that out. We supplement with a large volume of exosomes. We additionally use a large volume of Wharton's jelly, which we didn't talk as much about. Right, we'll talk about that. And then we inject every level of the spine from the base of the skull down wow. to the tailbone, every level, do epidural injections. So, we put stem cells up into the epidural space to help prevent central stenosis later in life. Yep. Central stenosis is basically an annular bone spur. It's a circular, it's you know arthritis of the spinal canal. Mm -hmm. Then we've turned the person over. I inject both shoulders, all the moving parts, the joint, the rotator cuff, AC joint, elbow joint and the you know golf elbow tennis elbow wrist thumb hips knees ankle foot then my partner amy killen who you're going to interview later today takes over she does the skin of the face she does the scalp to thicken the hair follicles and she does the o shot p shot the shot into the sexual organs to improve sexual function because, you know, erectile dysfunctional vaginal dryness are both an issue of impaired microcirculation. And one of the things that we know that stem cell therapy does is it improves microcirculation. So, we're basically doing it all. Yeah. So, by going into the epidural areas, mm. is that making its way to the brain? Because I've heard, I don't know if it was you speaking about this, but I've heard about people doing stem cells trying to get into the brain okay, to so, heal the brain. So, there's epidural, yeah. which is outside the spinal cord. You're going into the dural tissue. Yeah. So, when I do it, I inject outside the spinal cord. So, I'm putting it up into the spinal canal to treat the musculoskeletal structure of the spine, the mm -hmm. actual spinal canal. There's an intrathecal injection, which is when you actually inject directly into the spinal cord, into the cerebrospinal fluid. Now, we have one version. When I do my full body stem cell makeover just by myself, I call it two hands. That's the you know what I describe, the spine and the joints. When I do it with Amy, we call it the four hands. And that's, you know, I do the musculoskeletal. She does the cosmetic and sexual optimization. We have a six hands where we bring in my friend, Dr. Marcella Madera who's a John Hopkins trained neural surgeon, spine surgeon. And she additionally will do an intrathecal injection of stem cells, which is directly into the cerebrospinal fluid. And that is effectively directly into the brain. Tell me about that. Like that, when I heard that for the first time, I was like, like, how do we get this? People with TBI, like I had silly amount of concussions growing up, you know, some pretty bad ones. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something there. Is it 
do we have a lot of data on it? Is there a lot no. of people doing it? I would say there are quite a few people doing it. I'm not one of them, but Marcella does them occasionally. Have you ever had it done? No. No. So, do we know if it's actually doing anything in the brain? Is there stem cells in the brain? Do they have to be a particular type of stem cells? Do we know anything about that or is it just completely speculative at this well, time, trial and error? I would refer you to the Cell Surgical Network and specifically to the work of Chris Duma, who's okay. a neurosurgeon in the Southern California area who is injecting fat-derived stem cells directly into what are called Omaya reservoirs for treatment of dementia. So, I would refer you to him and I can get you his contact information. Cool. Yeah, I'm super curious because like, yeah. that sounds interesting. He would really be the guy to talk to about that. But also, I mean, I would encourage you to to speak or maybe do a podcast with sure. Marcella Madera because she's charming Amazing. and very, very smart and great to work Wonderful. with. Wonderful. So, tell me more about this forehands treatment. So, mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're injecting all these parts of the body. Mm -hmm. People are leaving sore for a couple of days. Yeah. So, the thing that's crazy about it is, well, we, you know, we sedate everybody so the person's asleep sure, while we're doing it. Right. To watch it, it looks like the Spanish Inquisition. I right. mean, it's just like nuts. There's so many pokes going on. Like, I've got this time-lapse video that I show where I'm, where it just is, you can see how, like, it's right. a million pokes. But then when the person wakes up, amazingly, they don't seem to have a lot of pain. And part of it, you know, and we were talking about the exosomes, you know, I did the bone marrow and fat stem cells for years and then started including the exosomes. And what I noticed with the introduction of the exosomes, with the, you know, including them with your injectate, is that I noticed two things. One is that when I get people over the age of, you know, about 60, 65, my results just using a person's own stem cells would drop. Sure. You know, young people, I got very consistently good results, but as people got older, it really helped some people, but then it was, it was just more hit or miss. Once I started using exosomes, I found that in that older population, my results were much more consistent. Right. And I think that's- that you makes know, sense. You know, when we say that they effectively make your stem cell that of a younger person, I mean, that's what I, I see happening in my outcomes. Yep. The other thing that I really noticed is when people wake up from sedation, it used to be that anywhere from 1 to 10 to 1 in 20 people would wake up with a lot of pain and would have sort of a pain flare up and it would like trigger an episode of pain for them. And since I've started using exosomes, that's almost completely stopped happening, which is great because it's, you know, it's awful for the person to go through. I feel terrible. But it's interesting because they just have such a strong anti-inflammatory effect that people wake up and amazingly, they feel fine. It's amazing. So, one thing you alluded to there is this reality that we know that when you're born, you have this insane abundance of stem cells and as we age, they deteriorate. Any suggestions or do you have any protocols for people coming into your office? Like, hey, for three months, I need you to eat this way. I need you to stop doing this. Like, what do you, do you have a, a dietary intervention or a lifestyle intervention that allows people to maybe improve the number of stem cells or improve the health of their stem cells? You know, I've been resistant to really create big protocols just sure. because the reason is I found that I get sort of two types of people, the ones who are doing what they're doing and, <laughs> and then the ones who aren't doing anything and they're not going to do it anyway, right? Right. I'm actually much less interested in what somebody does the two months leading up to the treatment than I am in what they're doing the two years leading sure. up to the treatment. You know, I think common sense rules the day here. I think, you know, I sort of believe in these four pillars of health, which is diet, exercise, sleep, and emotional balance. And as long as you get a B plus in all four of those areas, you get a cumulative A. But as soon as you get a C in one area, then you cumulatively actually get a D. Sure. So, you know, I think there is no one protocol that works for everybody. I think everybody has to figure out what works for them. But as long as you're, you know, eating well, avoiding trashy food, avoiding crappy oils, avoiding That's just the typical foods. stuff so people know. Just like optimize your health and mm -hmm. your stem cells will work better. Right, right. Yeah. Get decent sleep exercise regularly. And I think the most important thing with exercise is just to not to tear yourself down. You know, over the years, like I've, I've been in practice 20 years, I've heard over 10,000 people tell me the story of their pain. And one thing that I've noticed, and one of the reasons I'm a fan of yours is because the people I see the least frequently are weightlifters, right. except people who chase numbers. That's the exception. Chasing numbers and CrossFitters. And, you know, and, yeah, you know, like I've got no beef with CrossFit, but I can just tell you from my perspective where I listen to people talk about the injury that changed their lives, right. there's this exercise in CrossFit where you alternate deadlifts and box jumping. Like you'd box jump like 10 times as fast as you can and then you deadlift heavy. Right. 
you know, deadlifting is the king. Sure. Like, show the king some respect, sure. right? So, you're going to like- They're just trying to make people puke, basically, right? Like, if I want to make somebody puke, I'm going to make you deadlift and, and make maybe a burpee. Well, what like, they do is <laughs> they, well, they create annular tears in their L5-S1 disc. They ah. actually like, there's, you know, you have to deadlifting heavy weights, you got to have perfect form. Yep. And if you just like- collapse Fatigue. just a little bit and do it and you slip your spine actually slides forward yep. on your sacrum now you've got a really serious problem mm-hmm. and that's something that i actually love to treat because you know this desiccated disc when you slide the spine forward and mash the disc like that and you have a dehydrated disc when you look at the mri it's all the discs above it look white and then you see this black disc it means it's dehydrated there's no good conventional treatment for that and that's something that i've found like if I had to treat just one thing, it would be that because stem cells work so well for that. Great. And not yet, not to not CrossFit. I think it's a brilliant idea and concept, but the application of it is such that you're putting average to above average people in exercises, asking them to do things to fatigue with no regard for execution and form. So what you're introducing is compensation patterns that ultimately lead to injuries. That's just the way it works, right? Yeah. If you push hard on something long enough with shitty form, because your objective is I had to hit this number of this time because it's these objective outcomes, injuries is inevitable. Yeah. And that just seems to be the worst of it. Like I would have presumed it would have been shoulders and, and elbows and CrossFit, like the snatches and the and the, the kipping pull-ups. It's like, man, there's got to be people that are just destroying their shoulders. Yeah. I mean, I get them all, right? A lot of them come into my gym. I'm kind of surrounded by CrossFit gyms strategically. <laughs> we get them all coming into the gym comical. So, what types of responses are you seeing? You know, you're seeing hundreds of patients. Mm-hmm. What type of, you know, post- treatment feedback are you getting? So, the thing that's interesting about stem cell therapy and this this sort of brings us to the mechanism of action. Mm-hmm. So, the thing that's interesting is when you look at MRIs, you know, you think, oh, that gives you all the information. Well, actually, it doesn't because if you look at the scientific data, if you take people with no low back pain, 60% of them have abnormalities sure. in their MRI. And similarly, people with lots of back pain frequently have normal MRIs. So, what we think is actually the pain generator are these microscopic tissues, irregular collagen fibers, hyperconcentration of irregularly shaped blood vessels. I mean, you get these like this chronic damage to these tissue beds. So that's actually what it is with stem cell therapy that we're trying to treat is trying to normalize the health of these tissue beds. So as a result, it takes a while for it to work. So, like if you take somebody with low back pain and you give them a steroid injection and you do the steroid injection properly, and you know, if it's going to work, it works right away mm-hmm. and then it lasts two months and then it wears completely off and then you're right back where you were. Stem cell therapy is the opposite, it takes two months for it to work. I mean, it really, like, I do it and I tell people, do not expect any benefit for at least two months. It's at about two months, that's where you start to notice a little bit of improvement. And then six months is really where you notice the most improvement. And that sort of brings us back to this idea of treating these microscopic tissue beds, growing new regular parallel collagen fibers, growing new healthy microvasculature. That takes time. Sure. That was actually segueing perfectly into my next question. So, how often would you recommend somebody doing this? Mike, you know, kind of segueing from how long do stem cells last in the body? So, when I inject these stem cells, are they sticking around? Are they just causing an effect to the tissues and then they're gone? Or have you actually done any post-therapy follow-up to see the actual improvement systemically? I just follow, you know, when I just, I follow up with patients and I follow three things, how much pain the person's experiencing, their activities of daily living and their quality of life. As long as I get those three, I'm happy. So, I don't really have any other objective markers uh, or, or those are actually all subjective. But what we find, you know, and I, I do everything I can to be a one and done. That's part of why I do this kitchen sink approach of bone marrow plus fat plus exosomes plus Wharton's jelly is because people come to me literally from all over the world. So, I really get one shot at them and I definitely don't want them to come back in two weeks. I don't right. want them to come back at all. So, what we do is we do one huge treatment, hit somebody as hard as we can and then we wait a year. At one year, the majority of people that we treat are happy. And by happy, I mean they've had, you know, I don't mean 100% improvement. Sometimes we get 100% improvement, but, you know, they've had enough improvement that they don't feel they need another treatment and they're glad they did it. A smaller percentage of people at the one year mark have had some improvement, but they'd like a little more. Maybe they've had 20, 30, 40% improvement. They'd like a little more. Well, then we talk about doing another treatment at the one year mark. A smaller percentage again, 
have had no improvement at all. I don't help everyone. You know, about 10% of the people I treat, I just, just don't work. Mm -hmm. Maybe that person doesn't have great health to begin with. Maybe their stem cells aren't functioning. Maybe there's a structural element that there's actually structurally something wrong with their anatomy. Overall, when I get people to where they want to be though, depending on what it is, for certain things, it seems to just continue to last. But for sort of normal chronic degenerative problems, the benefit lasts anywhere from two to six years. And I've only been doing this for 10 years. So two to six years, I tend to hear back from people. It's starting to come back. And usually it's not all the way back where it was. It's, it's starting to come back and I don't want it to go back where it was. Interesting. Do you know how long stem cells tend to last in the body? They have a certain life? We actually don't think that they take up residence. So we think that it, you know, we've moved, especially if you're using them for the allographic, if you're using stem cells from another person, we know they don't take up residence. So they have their paracrine effect, they influence the health of the surrounding tissues, and then they don't reproduce. And we think that actually, even when you move your own stem cells from a different part, we think that same thing's happening, where they have their effect, but then they don't end up reproducing. So you get this big burst of just endogenous healing and then we're effectively turning back the hands of time. So it's really not even so much that we're replenishing the population with new stem cells. It's that we're just creating this big healing response, turning back the hands of time of this degenerative process. And then so it's just how long does it take for it to further degenerate back to sort of the threshold of where it becomes a pain generator. Sure. Is anyone looking at what it's doing mechanistically? Like, is it turning back the clock on hormone production or telomeres or mitochondrial function or like any mechanistic, like tangible things we can look at? I would then refer you back to cell surgical network because yeah. I'm so, I'm so focused in my lane. On like that, the subject stuff. Uh, like, let's actually feel better. Well, I'm just focused on mus treating musculoskeletal pain. Yeah. What is Wharton's jelly? So, Wharton's Jelly is one of the allographic products that we use that does not contain stem cells, but it contains – so, if you look at the you know, cross-section of an umbilical cord, there's this gelatinous substance that comprises the insulation layer, and it's made of bioidentical human-derived hyaluronic acid. So, it's this you know, substance that these labs will collect from the umbilical cord it does not contain stem cells, but it contains basically the ground substance of joint surfaces and intervertebral discs and ligaments. So, if you've ever heard of Synvisc or Hyalgan, these are commercially available synthetic hyaluronic acids that you know help cushion the joints. Well, this is the real stuff. This is human-derived bioidentical hyaluronic acid. So, I like to add that to my stem cell injections to give your own stem cells the building blocks that they need to build new joints, build new intervertebral discs, build new ligaments. One thing we didn't differentiate yet is the difference between bone marrow and fat, and not even necessarily from what you're getting out of it, but from the abundance, right? So you suggest that maybe the bone marrow has a, a greater abundance. I've heard that fat cells have a greater abundance. Is it? I'm not sure what you would suggest or what so you talk about. Bone marrow is, again, it's the workhorse of stem cell therapy. What's great about bone marrow-derived stem cells is, I mean, you have these mesenchymal stem cells, but you also have raw bone broth from your own body. So, you, you know, it's loaded with collagen, it's loaded with minerals, it's loaded with hyaluronic acid. It has all these substances in it that are critical for tissue healing. So, it's this really beautiful medley of healing constituents. However, that total volume of mesenchymal stem cells is relatively low for like a 60 cc aspiration of bone marrow. I didn't even realize you can get that much out. Are you going into the hip bone? Are you going to the femur? What are you doing? Into the ilium. Yeah. The big, oh, well. the frisbee shaped yeah. bones in your pelvis. Yeah. So, you know, as, as you, no, we get, to, we get a lot more than that because wow. as you aspirate, remember like it's the most highly vascularized bone is the most highly vascularized tissue in the body. So, as you're aspirating, blood is rushing in. So, I mean, you could just keep, you you could drain a person till they have no blood left. So, you know, we'll, where we top it off, like when we do full body stem cell makeover, we take almost a half a liter of bone marrow. Half of it comes from one side, then the other half from the other side. But from a 60 cc aspiration, you're getting in the neighborhood of tens of thousands of mesenchymal stem cells, which is relatively low. From fat, from a 60 cc lipo aspiration, you get in the millions to potentially tens of millions of stem cells. So, fat has a much higher concentration of mesenchymal stem cells, but bone marrow has these other constituents too. So, I mean, if I had to choose one or the other, 
I would choose bone marrow. And, you know, fortunately, the FDA is making that decision for me because mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm phasing out the fat stem cells. Now, are you able just to just go straight in with a needle or do you have to actually drill into it or how does that, like, how do you penetrate? Yeah. There's several ways to do it. I use what's called a Jamshidi needle, which is like a traditional when you see the bone marrow aspiration. The difference is I'm doing it. Well, first of all, I'm Jam, using it. Is Jamshidi Japanese for big ass, big <laughs> ass needle? <laughs> I think it was Dr. Jamshidi. I think it was named after Dr. Yeah. Jamshidi. Sure. But- so when when you look at like when you look at a hematologist in a hospital room, you know, doing a cancer sure. biopsy or something, they just take the needle, they just like jam it in like the, the ilium looks like a big frisbee, right? And they're just putting it into the center of the flat part of the frisbee. Well, when we do it, we actually put it on the edge of the frisbee. So we use X-ray guidance because we want it exactly on the edge of the frisbee going perfectly parallel to the frisbee. The reason being is then as we're aspirating, we're able to continually advance the needle to get a higher yield of stem cells. So it's a lot more delicate. You know, I used to do it with people awake and I'd give them laughing gas or we'd just talk them through it. Now we put everybody to sleep. It's just a much happier experience for everybody. Totally. This is amazing. What's the future of stem cells when it comes to the law, but even before you address that, what do you think the future is as far as treatment? Do you see anything on, on the horizon that seems extremely exciting other than the exosomes, obviously? Yeah. So, well, there's in stem cell medicine, there's sort of two main fields. There's regenerative medicine, which is what I do, which is where we take stem cells either from your body or we use it from a laboratory and we put it where you need them. And then we sort of like step back and let nature run its course, right? But then there's the whole other field of tissue engineering. And I think that's where, you know, the most exciting stuff. I mean, because in regenerative medicine, we kind of have it. Like we're just figuring out what's legal and what isn't. But I mean, I'm telling you, I'm getting amazing results. And and not with everybody. You know, I, I have sort of my avatar of people that I do great with. And then there's these other people. And I'm just very honest with them. Like this may be worth a try, may not be worth a try. Or no, you definitely need surgery or this you know, there's people I don't help. But in the area of tissue engineering, that's where you take like you grow a meniscus in a laboratory, you grow a kidney, you grow an eyeball. I mean, yeah, I mean, you take basically anything. I mean, it's just a matter of time before this ribeye steak that we eat is yeah. made in a lab. Right. You know, I mean, we, we're going to be able to make all this stuff. I think it's stuff. already possible, right? I think they're already doing it. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's really... That's where I'm interested in putting my money because, I mean, that's just like fascinating to me. Like, quit cutting down the rainforest for the cows. Like, let's just make it in a lab, right? Right. So, I think that's where where we're going to just over the next 10 years, we're going to see this like explosion of – I mean, imagine making a new eyeball. It's just – that's 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 amazing. Mm-hmm. When I first became interested in stem cells and PRP, 2013, both both of my triceps were torn, and I was you know professional bodybuilder. So I was like, shit, what do I do? I literally couldn't do a bench press. I couldn't do anything. So I went to see my doc, who I mentioned to you in Canada, and we did stem cells and PRP directly into. Actually, first I went to see a surgeon. I was like, man, can you help? But they were still attached at the bone. But what happened was the outsides were attached, and the middle was frayed, and I had a, a four centimeter recession away from the bone. And he's like, dude, there's nothing I could do. If you had torn it off the bone, we could reattach it, but there's nothing I could do because it's still attached. So I went to the stem cell and PRP doc, and he goes, well, let's try it. So he used a fat graft to fill it in, he injected stem cells, and then injected PRP. Within eight weeks, maybe less, six weeks, I was back to what I believe to be 100%. After three months, I had completely regrown tendons. So, like, this stuff is amazing. So, I tell everybody, I'm like, you got to go do this. Like, any amount of pain, any amount of muscle tears, like, I'm super interested in this idea of doing full body because I have all these little, you know, we're in, we're in the UK, we'll call them niggles, right? The UK word for like the bump, the aches and pains. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, I remember I tore that muscle and I remember, you know, I strained that muscle. And like, now that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, chilling out from bodybuilding, I tend to feel a little bit more. And when I train hard, I tend to feel a little bit more. My joints feel amazing, but it's the muscles that actually kind of hurt, you know, where I had bumps and bruises and pain along the way. So, this sounds like for anyone sitting at home who's got these little bumps and bruises, whether it be joints or muscles, probably the best approach, right? Because yeah. it, it seems like it's a semi-permanent approach because you're actually healing your tissues. And that's exactly who we developed full body stem cell makeover for, is yeah. people who just have these little nagging aches and pains throughout their entire body and hey, let's just get it all while you're here. Right. I'm going to come in and just draw circles everywhere in my body and be like, doc, you got hit here, here, here. You're going to run out of stem cells. We're going to need three or four people, man. And this is amazing. You do an incredible job of articulating that. Where can our listeners find you and your amazing therapies? Sure. So, just check us out on the web, docereclinics.com, D-O-C-E-R-E clinics.com. We'll link to that in the show notes, of course. Sure. Check us out on Instagram. My wife does all my stuff there. I'm going to say hi. What's her name? 
Indira. Indira, I'm going to say hi. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so they can reach you through there as well. Yeah. Awesome. And what does something like this cost? Is that something you're able to talk about? Well, so, yeah, so, so we sort of have three categories. We've got the Rolls-Royce, which is full body stem cell makeover. If we're doing it with just bone marrow, it's about 25000 If we're doing it with fat, then it's close to 30000 If we're doing Amy's portion, which is the sexual Mus- musculoskeletal yep. plus the cosmetic and sexual, it's 45000 So, that's the, the highest level. And then on down, if we're just doing sort of what I affectionately refer to as a la carte treatments, if I'm treating it, then you know we're doing like a low back or something like that. It you know, starts at 10,000 goes on up to 20, 25,000, depending on how complex, depending on how many areas. I have an associate now, so we, we're able to offer these therapies at a lower price point. I think he starts around five, 6,000, goes on up to you know 15,000, depending on what we're doing. But we've also instituted a tithing program because what I realized, especially after my health episode, was that the greatest advances in medicine don't do anybody any good if they can't afford it. Insurance doesn't currently pay for this. So, we offer one day per month stem cell therapy at no charge. There's two pathways for enrollment. People have to demonstrate that they're living below poverty level. So, they provide us with documentation for that. And then once we've established that, there's two pathways for enrollment into the tithing program. One is for U.S. combat veterans. If you've served in the U.S. military and you've seen combat, you're good. Like I'm happy to treat you for free. The other pathway for people who are not combat veterans is we will provide stem cell therapy in exchange for documentation of community service hours. Very cool. Yeah. So, 60 hours of community service at Boys and Girls Club of America, the VA hospitals, or Habitat for Humanity are the three approved organizations. But if you do 60 hours of community service, we will do a a stem cell treatment of your joints. 100 hours buys a treatment of the spine. 120 hours buys spine and joints. Man, I like that a lot, actually. That's a really good idea. Rather than just like, hey, I'm, you know, in need, like actually giving back. That's super, super cool. Yeah, because, you know, if you don't put any price on it, people don't value it. So, this way, it's like, it's a trade. Yeah, very, very cool. Love that. Doc, I appreciate your time. Like I said, incredible explanation. Your understanding of this is obviously vast. So, thank you for your time and and thank you for contributing to our health and the betterment of humanity. And likewise. And thank you for all the great work you've done over the years, Ben. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. That's a wrap, ladies and gents. Just one more message before you go. If you did enjoy the podcast, as always, I appreciate you being here. And if you think someone else will enjoy this podcast, we would appreciate you sharing it with at least one person you know that will benefit from this information. If you liked it, leave us a review. It's always amazing to hear from you. I'm so grateful for your time and always grateful for your ear. I hope you have a wonderful day. Live your greatest life in a body you love. And if you haven't already picked up your one dollar bottle of olive oil, I suggest you head over to Get Fresh 35. Do that now and support our podcast sponsors, Fresh Press Olive Oil and the man TJ over there. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.